Welcome to the Inspire to be Authentic podcast. I am your host, Matt Lansadell. Inspire to be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live with courage to be themselves. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to themselves and their purpose. Today is episode 10, and we have a very special guest, Tahira Jamani. Welcome, Tahira. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Excited to have you on. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about mindfulness. Um, We call it the search inside ourselves. We're going to search inside of ourselves. Um, So I'll introduce a little bit about Tahira. So Tahira is a mindfulness coach and the founder of The Chain Reaction. She is a certified teacher of the mindfulness-based emotional intelligence leadership program that was developed at Google called Search Inside Yourself and was trained at Berkeley University. Using neuroscience and scientific findings, she makes mindfulness relatable and accessible to create positive change. She has also completed two 10-day silent meditation courses and currently works with individuals, groups, and workplaces through one-on-one coaching and workshops. Awesome stuff. Uh, I have so many questions for you. I'm really excited to explore some of this stuff with you. Um, why don't we just even start? Let's let's talk a bit about uh, how you got into all this. Why mindfulness? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't even know like where to start with the story because now that I look back at it, it started kind of so long ago, but I didn't really pinpoint all those points. Um, you know, until until I am kind of here now. So it's kind of cool when I look back onto it. Um, to be honest, mindfulness started as something that was just a, a help for me. It started, it was something that helped me manage stress and anxiety in my life. <clears throat> and then it's just kind of, you know, ironic that it became what I wanted to then move into sharing with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess if I backtrack a bit, I mean, um, I was, I, I studied at Western University, I did my undergrad there, so in London, Ontario, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I came back to Calgary, where my family is, and I thought I'm going to get a good job in HR, and that's just going to be the life, you know, that's kind of what we're told, right, get yeah. a good job, and then you're set, or like maybe go back to school, do your MBA, and I got a job at a large engineering consulting firm, Yeah, which I thought was going to be the jackpot <laughs> and then I transferred to Toronto with my job and I started in IT actually uh, and then I moved into HR and at the end of my time in Toronto I was there for about three and a half years so this puts me into 2014 now um, I hit burnout pretty bad and I was in denial about it um, I was coming home from work every day with crippling stomach pains Mm. and I would just like curl up into a ball on my bed, probably cry for about two hours, try and eat some, some comfort food. And, and then I would get up and do it all over again. Um, What was causing the, uh, the burnout or the, the intensity in your, the way you were feeling? Yeah. So it, it turned out that it was stress which was wild for me to think about at the time because mm. I was 24. I, I was in like a relationship that I was um, content with or I was happy with. And at the time I thought I was happy in that and my life was okay. Like everything seemed okay. I had you know good job, good friends, had my own place, had my own freedom. So I thought that that was, that's what everybody tells you life should be like. So I, I was in denial that it was stress, but I went to see a naturopath this was after lots of tests with doctors and um, that couldn't really find anything. <clears throat> and this naturopath told me that this was, this was stress. Um, so it was pretty shocking and I let it kind of sink in for a little bit. And then, and then I started to identify these areas of my life where I knew I wasn't actually aligned to what I wanted to be doing. And realize that those kind of things cause stress. And so <laughs> I quit my job. Like it was, I thought about this for a while. I quit my job. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, how I knew I was making the right decision was because I went into my boss's office and I said, you know, I told her my spiel and I gave her 
um, my resignation letter and she said, we'll give you, I'll give you a raise. Um, I'll give you a title change, but your role will stay the same. And I was like, nope, that's not what I'm after. I needed something more. I needed to grow. I needed to try to try new things and do something different. And I really felt that in my, in that role at the end of my time, my, my little spark of creativity was just being dimmed mm. because there was, there was no, nowhere else to grow. And, uh, and from that day, I have not had a day of pain. So That's yeah, pretty wild, pretty wild. Um, this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I try and call people onto the show who I feel are aligned to their purpose. They're aligned to their calling and alignment is such a strong correlation between alignment and authenticity, right? We become aligned and then that expression of alignment ends up being our authenticity. And I think for you to have that experience and show the viewers that, you know, you weren't aligned this, this malalignment was causing stress and the stress became a physical manifestation in your body. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how, how did you, uh, how did you align yourself? What, what, what had to take place for you to start to feel more aligned? Yeah. So I, I took some time off of work. As I said, I left my, my job there and I came back to Calgary and I just needed to take some time to one, heal my body physically and two, figure out what it was in my life I wanted to do, um, at least for my next step. Because I had known kind of deep down, which I just continued to shove down, um, that being at that company was not the right place for me. I knew that from, uh, you know, maybe a year after being with that company mm-hmm. uh, because values were misaligned. But I tried to have this separation of work and personal values. And so I figured out that that's <laughs> not really a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't do that, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's just, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who do and, and, you know, and can, but it's like, it's not really, it's not, it just feels better when you're, when you are aligned and it's better. So I took some time off. I started to identify what my actual goals were in my life. What are the steps to achieving that? And just kind of mapped out a few different things. Um, Spent some time with family and just kind of like replenished my love tank. Um, And so I took a, took about a year off of work, but I did some like part-time stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I also ended that relationship. It was almost a five-year relationship. So that was definitely the most difficult decision I've ever made in my whole entire life. Um, but it was the right decision. And so I started to make those really difficult decisions and take time to think about it and to feel into it because we don't take that time Mm. so that was kind of the beginning of it um yeah that was kind of the beginning and then you know fast forward a couple years and I sort of felt like I was getting caught up in emotions again and then that's when my mindfulness practice really started yeah I I love how we can now tie mindfulness into alignment, into purpose, into authenticity, into bringing us closer to the truth of who we are. So how, how did mindfulness do that for you? Yeah, so I did, uh, I went for my first 10 day meditation retreat in December of 2018. Okay. Uh, and I actually went because I was, I was kind of feeling stressed in my life in terms of what, what was my next step at that point. Uh, and I was also having a lot of trouble sleeping. So my mind was racing. And so my naturopath here, told me about Vipassana, um, 10-day meditation course. And after a bit of resistance, I went. And I realized that getting quiet or quieting your outer world just makes your inner world come through. Mm, And it, it, it just gave me a lot of... I realized that mindfulness practices can fill your cup in regards to whatever it is you're empty in, because everybody who is, you know, for example, on that Vipassana journey, everybody had such a different experience, but yet we were all doing the exact same technique. What is this technique? What, what, why don't you share a little bit about what you do in these Vipassanas? Yeah, absolutely. So Vipassana is, um, it's a body scan style meditation. Um, and the one I did was led by SN Goenka the late Asad Goenka, because yeah. um, there, yeah. there are different 
styles of Vipassana, um, but this one was specific to Ethnguenka. And uh, so you wake up at 4.30 in the morning um, and actually wake up at like four and then you sit for your first meditation sit. It's an hour and a half. And then um, you have breakfast and then you have another sit and you're basically meditating all day. It's like 10 hours of meditation a day up until 9.30. There's no reading, no writing, no working out, um, no yoga. Like you can go for a walk outside in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> and they feed you vegetarian food. So there's, it's interesting there are a lot of different pieces that can bring up a lot of anxiety in that situation. Yeah, I was just going to say to some people, that's a recipe for insanity. Yeah, and absolutely. There were moments when I was there thinking, is, am I going insane right now? Is, yeah. that, is that what is happening? Because <laughs> it's kind of wild. And I had never actually been successful with meditating before that, which is part of why I went, because I wanted to learn. Yeah. Uh, it's a course. They teach you how to do this style. So every day there's a, a video discourse in the evening, and they teach you kind of the next step or next stage to do. And all you, you just implement the practice and um, and everything else just sort of happens. So I appreciate the structure that they have, um, the technique itself. And yeah, so it starts with like a focused attention, like where you're focusing your attention specifically on the sensation of breathing um, to heighten your, your senses and your mm. sensitivity to to your sense to your awareness of sensation on your body and then you move into the body scan to become aware of the different sensations and it's really rooted in the fact that um it's rooted in the law of nature that everything is changing mm. and when we experience that in the framework of our bodies uh it's a totally different thing right it's different when we know something versus when we experience it so when I was able to get quiet and kind of find a lot of, I found a lot of answers in the quiet, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I love the phrase stillness speaks or silence, you know, speaks so loudly. The silence is deafening kind of. Yeah. 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 I, I had a lot of like downloads, insight, all of those kind of things. And it's kind of... I guess it's kind of like you have these undeniable truths that come out and they're just that, like, it's just your truth and you can't deny it. So then you can't really do anything but that, you know, if that makes sense. What was one of the most profound um, truths that you connected to in, in either of your two 10 day Vipassanas that stands out for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really good question. And it's funny you ask that because that was actually that was one of the questions that was part of my admissions application for the Search Inside Yourself course. Mm. So the biggest aha um, was when I experienced self-love. Mm. So I'm a very visual person and this was a very visual <clears throat> experience for me um, because I always thought that self-love was you know, reading magazines, getting your nails done, getting your hair done, all the external things. Yeah. And I used to do a lot of that. And I was like, oh, this is self-love. This is time for me. But when I was on my first, this was in the first 10-day meditation retreat, um, <clears throat> I I just had this moment where I I realized that my head and my heart were working against each other and had been against each other for so damn long, like my whole life. Mm. And I realized I needed to be kinder to myself and become friends with myself. And when I was able to become friends with myself through this process, I felt like I loved myself. And I, so, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, well, this is what this means for me. And I think self-love is different for everybody. I think everyone's going to have their own version, I, if you will, of it. Um, but I literally had this visual of like half a heart and my brain. And because to me, like my brain, I mean, at that time, my brain was my mind. 
we know that our mind is us and throughout our body and it's a lot more <laughs> um you know bigger than than that uh but it was this visual of, of this heart like half a heart and my brain and they were like holding hands and the more i was <clears throat> meditating my the this heart was becoming like more and more full almost to be like a full heart you know mm. <laughs> and it was just so cool it was so cool was like i can do this for myself like i can replenish my own cup and love tank because i think it, these are things that we look externally towards you know yeah i love that i love um exploring this topic of self-love and how it is really about it's about remembrance right it's we often think we need to do and we need to fill mm -hmm. uh, our lives with things but it's about returning back to ourselves and there's mm -hmm. actually nothing to be done it's a state of being that we have, that we feel just like love love is a state of being yeah. of being and um when we're of service to others, that's a different aspect of love, but just being in, in love and being in that vibration, it's about just allowing it to be. Um, right. uh, would, you, would you mind talking to the experience of what it was like to befriend yourself? Because that's a lot of the work I do in my coaching is teach people how to befriend mm -hmm. themselves. What does that look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I never really kind of thought about it that way. I. Hmm. So I think what, so what, what really happened for me in a more technical way was I trusted the process of this Vipassana experience. And the same thing happened in my second 10 day, which I just did this past January. Um, and so I kind of, there's this trust in the process of what's happening and in meditation itself because i had heard so many good things about meditation so that's why i went for the first course mm. so there was partially a trust in in a process and i'm a process driven person so i appreciated that and from that because within that process came all the quiet came all the self you know the work on ourselves and implementing this process and learning these insights and these truths that come out internally and when we when we go through that we drop all the stories that we're told from society or how we should be um how we should be living our lives and from there came this love for who i am versus who i should be or who somebody thinks i should be and so within that kind of muddled process came that you know the appreciation that we're all different and we all have our own journeys and we're all awesome in our own ways mm. and we need to unleash that because we we get so tied up in these shackles of stories and the shoulds and all these people that have opinions about how we should be living. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I really answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it made me think about what I talk about um, often is, is the difference between what I am and who I am. The who I am is the energy underneath that serves me to allow to be the what, which is the right. identifications, the relationships that I have, the labels that I wear, all that sort of stuff. That's the what right? What am I? That's, I'm a son. I'm a, you know, coach. I'm a this, I'm a that, but the who I am is so much deeper, right? And that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's about restoring people's ability to be able to know who they are, mm -hmm. less mm -hmm. identification with what I am and more identification with who I am. So you answered it beautifully. I think it's, um, mm -hmm. it's perfect. So if you were to, if you were to answer that question, I think this is one of the hardest questions to answer as a human being. When someone says, who are you? How, how do you, how do you answer that? Who am I? Yeah, I mean, I I'm naturally like, are you are you looking at like labels or like characteristics or <laughs> because there's so many ways to kind of go with that. I would say take it the way whatever feels natural and organic for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Who am I? I am living and practicing 
what I share. And I think that's really profound because that's who have also been a lot of my coaches and mentors in my life because they've been through it and, and hopefully come out on the other side if they're the ones sharing it. So, you know, I am I'm sharing my journey through my work. I'm also I'm also finding myself still. As we all are, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a forever journey. And I'm also I mean, I'm a I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a sister in law. Um a friend. I'm very spunky, very <laughs> feisty. <laughs> I'm not your average mindfulness coach, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I'm also full of love. I mean, I, I, a lot of my friends will, will say I'm, I'm a very thoughtful, hard ass because I will kind of say things as they are and, and, you know, not hold back on, obviously depending on who I'm around and, you know, to be aware of certain elements, but, uh, but there's definitely a really big soft, soft spot inside and, uh, and a pretty robust fighter. Hmm. Yeah. I like those and everything that you said, it, it feels very aligned to how I see you and most importantly, how I feel you, right? Your energy. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I'm around you and I feel your energy, I feel like, um, it's like a warmth. And I think that's the love that you speak of with inside yourself. It's the loving energy that you have. Um, and I feel your ability to be able to connect to the things inside of yourself and be able to share that with others. Mm. I, I really do think that's one of your greatest gifts. Thank you. That's so sweet. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's beautiful. <clears throat> so search inside yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really at the end of the day, kind of what we're talking about is, you know, mindfulness being this search inside of ourselves. Um, what is that even about? What's it, what, what is search inside yourself? Yeah. It's kind of funny that it's called search inside yourself because, you know, it was developed at Google and Google's a search engine. So, you know, it's kind of a cool witty way of words. Um, so you're talking about the course, right? Yeah. yeah. Like what, what is the course? So, so it was a mindfulness and leadership course that was developed at Google. Uh, and then it, it uh, was really taking off and other companies wanted it as well. And so it spun off into its own um, institute. And so it is a two-day life course. So I've taken the course and then also been through a year in the teacher training to now be able to share the course too. And it's kind of a deep dive into... Um, Mindfulness, kind of an intro to mindfulness and what it is, self-awareness, self-management, um, empathy, motivation, compassion, all of these different elements that make up emotional intelligence. So it's really about training these emotional intelligence tools because as individuals and leaders, whether we're leaders at work or also in our own lives, because we all have to make our own decisions, we are always having to connect with people and connect with ourselves to make sound decisions, hmm. right? And if we look at some of our the strong leaders in the world today, uh, you know, they didn't just get there because of technical abilities and technical skills are great, but there are all these other elements. If you ask somebody what you think, like what would you say are strong characteristics of a leader? Strong characteristics of a leader, I would say probably somebody who's willing to be transparent and open and um I think I actually, to be honest, I think a, 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 a strong characteristic of a leader is going to be surrender because a, a difference between a manager and a leader is the, is the control and feeling like you need to micromanage and leaders are really good at surrendering and allowing their, the people that they're leading to lead themselves in a way through mm-hmm. being an example. So you're, you're, you're almost like virtuous. A leader is somebody who's virtuous. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would fully agree with that. And, and those, that characteristics of being able to surrender um, and have the the eye on, you know, 
delegating and all those kind of elements, it comes from these, what we call softer skills, right? Mm-hmm. Which are tied to emotional intelligence. And, and that's really what a lot of this work is, um, is cultivating. So it kind of starts with the internal work of the self-awareness and self-management so how we portray our emotions and display them. Um, and then kind of to the intraper- intrapersonal um, skills of um, empathy and compassion and how we connect with others. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the course. And we did like a deep dive into all the, the neuroscience behind it and scientific studies, which was really cool. Mm. So I really appreciated how it took these kind of grandiose concepts, right, of self-awareness and self-management and really grounds them in some of these scientific findings um, and the neuroscience of how to, you know, works with our brain um, and gives practices that are, are like, it's not a religious course at all. It's open to anybody um, hmm. who wants to do a little bit of personal development and personal digging to learn more about themselves. So for people who don't understand what mindfulness is, why don't we just kind of dig into that? Let's talk a bit about mindfulness, what it is, why it's useful, all that sort of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So mindfulness, uh, as I defined it, is about paying attention on purpose without judgment. Mm. So if we think about, like, it can, it can be hard to understand that, but if we think about, say, for example, you're on vacation, on the beach, sitting in the sun, and you're just enjoying the sun and you're super present, uh, because, you know, sort of, nothing else matters, nothing else that's going on in, in the world in that moment matters. You're just there, maybe sipping your pina colada, enjoying the sun, and you're just being in that moment. Uh, you're not doing anything. And you're also not, not judging it. So it's a really profound it can be really profound when we internalize it and realize that, that we, that happens to many of us in so many different areas of our lives. Yeah. Like it's kind of like when we're in that feeling of flow, you know? Yeah. I like that. So you talked about emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Why is, what's the relationship between mindfulness and emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so basically I use mindfulness, practices to train emotional intelligence um domain so for example like because emotional intelligence if you know we want to kind of explain it is it's about being aware of your own internal states and other people's internal states and using that information to guide your decisions and your actions so you have to build this awareness of yourself first and then you have this awareness of other people and then you kind of put that all together to make sound decisions and how we're going to interact or act in that moment. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of what emotional intelligence is. And so we use mindfulness practices to train emotional intelligence. For example, the domain of self-awareness. So, you know, we'll, self-awareness is about being aware of your internal state. So kind of that feeling like knowing when you're feeling angry or excited or like noticing when that feeling comes up because a lot of the time we're triggered by emotions and then we act from emotions. So there's this, there's this concept of with well, a space where it's important to be aware of the emotion as it's coming up so we can say, Oh, I'm feeling really angry. You know, I could just lash out right now. So we use mindfulness practices like a body scan, for example, to become aware of the sensations and emotions and emotional awareness of what's happening within us so that we can then decide how we're going to choose how we're going to respond. Yeah. So for people that have been um, repressive of their emotions, right? They distract, they use drugs and alcohol, food, whatever it might be. I think we, we can yeah. all relate to this experience because uh, we go through periods yeah. of our lives where we just feeling becomes too much and we don't want to feel. So we distract ourselves from feeling from it. So mm-hmm. how does mindfulness help with that experience? Like what, what is it actually doing? Right. Yeah. So it kind of takes it moment by moment. Cause when, you know, where we, when we are practicing mindfulness, you're being present in that moment and, what happened before or what is going to happen doesn't matter because now is all there is 
you know, there's this great quote, I think it's, I want to say Emily Dickinson, that says, forever, forever is a mate, forever is made up of a bunch of nows. Yeah. That's all, that's all it is. And so when we're able to um, be in the present, you're, you're then not scared of emotions or scared of what could come up or what has come up because it's already come up and gone and passed. Uh, and it also teaches us that, you know, emotions are, are nothing to be scared of or feelings are nothing to be scared of because they're like visitors. They come and go. And that's what I really experienced and learned in my Vipassana meditation courses. Right. As I was saying, it's about this law of nature that everything is changing. Mm. So emotions will come, they will go. We are constantly changing on like a scientific level. We are made up of a bunch of atoms. Um, and that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Uh, so and it's not, I don't mean that to like kind of simplify or downplay emotions because they're very important and they contain a lot of information for us and they're very vital for decision-making. Um, but I mean, I, I grew up with the notion that emotions should be, should stay at home or behind closed doors yeah. and not really be out there in the world. And so body scans for me, which is the Vipassana style meditation was super profound and really impactful because it's, it's just bringing awareness to the sensations that you're experiencing, which are connected to your emotions. Emotions show up in your body as sensations. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, it all comes pouring out. <laughs> so it's yeah. very therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. I like that. And it, it made me think of, um, so the difference between thoughts and emotions, I want to kind of explore that if, mm -hmm. you know, with present moment awareness, which is essentially mindfulness, what, what it is is when you have thoughts, they, they say that the, the thoughts, all thoughts originate in either past or, or future. It's either re uh, reflecting on past or anticipation of future. And when you're in the now, you're in a state of no thought, right? Would you say the same is true for emotions? Hmm. That emotions in the now are basically not emotions? Well, because if, thought, if, if thoughts... When, 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 he, when we have thoughts, we're, we're, we're thinking about past, we're thinking about future, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't have thoughts in the present moment because the present moment is the present moment. It's a continuum. It's right. always moving. Right. And if you're in yeah. it, you can't be thinking. Is the same true yeah. about emotion? It just is. It just uh, is. Uh, that's a really good question. So hmm. I feel like emotions can come up in in the now because they can emotions can come up because of a past thought or 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 a future thought yeah but in the present emotions are there and valid because emotions are always true they're always your truth they could be because of a past or a present or a future but it's, it's, it's your truth. And that's what's important is that you, you realize your truth and your experience. But if, if there's an experience of an emotion in the moment, it just is in that moment. Yeah. But we don't have to attach a label to it or something that's good or bad because then we start to get attached to emotions. Yeah. And we want more of it or we start to uh, push them away. And then, you know, we create this like, I don't know the word I'm looking for. There's either like clinging towards emotions or, or um, resistance, aversion. Yeah. Aversion, yeah. Resistance yeah. or aversion. Um, neither of which, like they all contribute to our suffering, which is what, you know, we learn in Vipassana, like attachments and aversions are, suffering when we get down to the, the deep end of it yeah yeah how, how um let's uh, let's actually talk about both of those we'll start with attachment how can attachment lead to suffering yeah attachment can lead to suffering because because it feels good and we want more of it and then when we don't get more of it we we are upset about it or we can have negative feelings towards it because we didn't get something that we wanted so we wanted the moment to be something other than what it was. And when we do get more of it, it, it can make us want it more. So it can strengthen 
the attachment. So that's how it can lead to suffering. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very true. I think what I teach in my book is, is the difference between attachment and preference and attachment uses control to try and fulfill Mm -hmm. desire and preference has a tone of indifference or flexibility, right? We're, we're okay with the outcome being as it needed to be in order for us to evolve. And I think an area that becomes dicey with attachment is going to be uh, with, with relationships because love can become addictive and we can become attached to it, but we're also biologically hardwired for attachment. So it becomes Mm -hmm. really tricky. Like, do I need this person to love me to feel okay versus I want this person to be part of my experience to complement me, but not complete me. Right. So it's a very fine dance. And I think this is why intimacy and attachment can become very complicated for people in relationships is because of that reason. Um, But what ends up happening is we swing from pendulum to pendulum, which is attachment to aversion to relationships, Mm -hmm. which is anxious to avoidant in, in, in attachment styles of relationships. And when we swing over to being adverse to relationships, we become shut down. And this is what, how mindfulness can be such a great opportunity for us to uh, work with those aversions and start to process some of the things that we've been repressing around our right. fears of intimacy and stuff like that. And um, mm-hmm. so, what? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting when it's kind of applied to the relationship spectrum because attachment, even as you exactly just said it, you know, we when we want. Th- we become attached because we want love from other people, but within the mindfulness practice, when we go deep into it, we love ourselves and that's all we need. But it's a very, it can sound very conceptual and sort of like out in cosmic ooze. <laughs> and it's like, how does it really stay grounded? Yeah. Uh, but it's something that when, when you kind of experience it, it's a whole other level of, as you, I guess, as you said, like you, prefer like we don't I I wouldn't say that we would need somebody to feel loved but you would want that like you might prefer it Mm -hmm. right but we're whole on our own because if we're constantly looking for that confirmation and validation outside from things or people or places um we're never really whole and so you know people say oh this is my better half or my other half and you know like I I get that there's an element of like the cuteness to it but there's also like a a societal issue <laughs> with that too. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think it's okay to say we need love from somebody else. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if we're coming from a place of wholeness and we offer ourselves the safety and the love for ourselves that we desire, and we're not using somebody else's love to plug a, a, a void in yeah. ourselves then it's healthy. But when we're using someone else's love to plug a void within ourselves, I think it becomes unhealthy. And that really is the, the underpinnings of codependency and, and anxious or avoidant attachment is we, we become reliant on other people and attached to other people to fulfill needs that we aren't able to meet for ourselves. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. the saying that we can only love someone as deep as we love ourselves because mm-hmm. we, we literally can't, if we don't have the capacity to love ourselves, we'll never have capacity to allow someone to love us the way we need. And we'll never be able to love them more than the depth to yeah. which we love ourselves. Right. So it's an offering and, and being of service to others is, is first starts with being of service to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that comes back to self-awareness too, of, of knowing ourselves and how we're, behaving in relationship towards towards ourselves and towards the other person too um and if we don't have that level of self-awareness and our own sort of you know digging in ourselves to to get to know ourselves better of what we what we need and what we don't need and you know all those kind of elements then it it can just send a relationship into a real tizzy yeah (laughs) but the more the more we know ourselves and, and are aware then you've kind of gone a little bit deeper and you can tell that with the other person too, because if, if um, you know, you're, you're attached to them and they're attached to you, it's just just like fight of attachment um, versus a a more kind of conscious, like chilled out, wholesome (laughs) love, (laughs) I think. 
Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Uh, so yeah. to your other point, so we talk about attachment and then we talk about aversion. So what is it or, 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 or what does it look like or what happens when people become adverse to feeling their feelings? Mm-hmm. How does that express yeah, well, itself? So <laughs> I heard this phrase once that was, uh, you can only shove so much under the rug before you trip. Ooh, I like that one. Yes, me too. That really hit home for me because I was shoving lots of emotions <laughs> under there for years. Yeah. And I mean, look what happened. I I, I fell flat on my face, um, you know, when I hit my, my burnout stage and that, I mean, I'm still recovering from that. And that, like, that stuff takes years to work through. Um, so it can show up in so many different areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. It can show up as stress, as physical um, pain or, or suffering. Um, we, we just run away from it is what, what, we, what we do when we're averse to it. We run away from it. We avoid it. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But it's also that nagging thing that we have inside of us that keeps knocking and is going to keep knocking until you until you, like the world or your body forces you to listen and doesn't give you another choice yeah. which is a very hard route and <laughs> not recommended yeah <laughs> but sometimes that's how we have to learn yeah um so that's you know that's one way that it can it can show up and it's uh it's better to just it's better to just deal with it because it's not as scary as we make it seem. We make it seem really terrifying. And I'm not saying that, that emotions and things are, are not terrifying. They're scary, but we can come out the other side. And when you come out the other side or we sit with it and face it, we get so much stronger and self-resilient. That's where resiliency comes from because we know that there's nothing quite as spooky as our own minds like our own minds are wild so wild so and they hold us back from everything and anything in life is what i believe so i mean i'm reading this book called um can't hurt me by david goggins Mm. have you heard of it no i haven't he's such a badass this guy did like a hundred mile race on like basically broken legs and he's all about defying your mind and, and mastering your mind. And it's so cool. And I, and I have experienced it too in, in all these different elements. And even like in the 10 day retreat, I was like, there's no way I can sit through 10 days of silence. But, you know, we better believe that we believe what we tell ourselves. So if you say you can't do it, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. But if you say you can do it, then you'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll- Something that came up when we were just talking about that is um, I find it interesting, the, tr- the word mindfulness, mindfulness, because the, the practice of mindfulness is about moving from, a, from your head into your heart, essentially, your head into your body. Why do they call it mindfulness? I always wonder this because it's saying it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's applying that we are making our mind more full. Mindfulness mm-hmm. should be called bodyfulness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've never thought about that. It's a really good question. Why is it called mindfulness? Yeah, I um wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> just an observation. <laughs> I'll just sit with that one. I'll let you know after I meditate on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And you let me know too. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um so the chain reaction. I love I love that name, first of all. Um what does it mean to you? It means that every moment can have an impact on the next and every activity we do can have an impact on the next. So, you know, I I do focus on being in the present moment, but it's also important to notice and know that, you know, every activity we do has an impact on the next. So for example, if we have a really terrible sleep, you know, we're probably not going to exercise the next day Mm -hmm. and we might reach for sugary foods and and foods that are not going to help us or serve us um, and that's going to impact our mood and all these things have a ripple effect or a chain reaction effect on all these different elements 
So it's really about expanding the mindset framework across our lives and bringing us back to those present moments during all of these activities. So it's not just about sitting and meditating or doing a micro practice in one moment, but about integrating all these different sort of practices or moments of presence in all the different activities of our day to lead a mindful life. So it's a whole lifestyle in that sense. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. Um, So you can, uh, you have the chain reaction dot life. That's your website, correct? Mm-hmm. chain reaction dot life yeah. uh, you guys should definitely uh, check it out she's got some uh, cool content and also on instagram i love your content it's always um refreshing and they're always potent little reminders for me to just draw back into what really matters right which is the now yeah. there's no other there's nothing more important than the now because if we're not in the now we're going back into the past, whether the past being 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, we're still in the past or the mm-hmm. anticipating the future, which is where all anxiety exists. It's about worrying about how the future is going to play out. Right. So right. your posts are all really great to help ground us back into the now, which is the most beautiful place mm-hmm. to be. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we do a cool thing on the podcast called, how much of me can I be? So (laughs) (laughs) it's a, it's a practice uh, and an opportunity for the guests to be able just to share a bit about themselves in a, in a vulnerable way that feels good for you. So I've come up with 31 questions. Um, any between number one and 31, what number do you choose? Ooh, seven, nope. 13, 13. What is oh, a now I'm like, should I just go with seven? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, ooh, seven's good too, but I'll read 13. What is a regret you have in your life? Ooh, a regret that I have in my life. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think if you asked me this years ago, I would have probably had a lot, but now I, I really truly feel like everything that's happened has happened for a reason. You know, <laughs> yeah. I really, really truly believe that, that there's, there's a reason that specific decisions were made because, it's led me to be here right now with you in this exact moment yeah. and doing all the things that I do. So I don't know how to answer that one. I, I love have one. I love that. And that's okay too, because I think when we do practice present moment awareness and mindfulness and emotional intelligence and all of these, these concepts, we see the power in our pain. We see the truth and, and in our suffering and how it led us to exactly where we needed to be. Right. And that's, that's such a valuable uh, lesson in life Mm -hmm. because when we, when we, when we approach life that way, we realize that we don't need to continue to repress our feelings because we don't, we no longer fear suffering because we know suffering actually shapes us into who we are. And it's the Mm -hmm. judgment of our suffering that makes suffering painful. If we, yeah. if we have suffering arise and we don't judge it, it no longer is suffering. It's just, it is what it is. And we allow it to be. And exactly. we, through that allowance, it releases, right? Yeah. So it's the judgment of suffering that keeps us stuck in our pain. Definitely. Yeah. I have to say like on that, on that note, I, I feel like I, I regret holding on so tightly in the past. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with where I am now. And yes, I believe that all, everything has led me here now, but, but when I look back, I feel like I had just held on so tightly to whether it was labels or the should, what I should be doing or how my life should be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it would have been nice to get here a little sooner, but at the same time, there's a reason that it all panned out the way it did. I totally has agree. And will continue to, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. The suffering's not over. <laughs> There's oh, going to be a no. lot more suffering in my life. And I know that. Oh. And I, it's about how yeah. I'm going to deal with the suffering that comes up. Mm-hmm. 
and it comes up every day. And I feel like we, there are these lessons in life that the world will keep hitting us with until we actually learn it. Yes. Karma. And I, yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, it's a powerful one. It is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is me tip of the week. Um, what this is, is it's about self-ownership. I'm, I'm on a journey to, or I should say a mission to teach people how to move from self-acceptance into self-ownership, right? I think self-acceptance, we, we go from self-animosity to self-awareness, to self-acceptance, to self-ownership. And self-ownership is like, yeah, like this is me, like take it or leave it. This is all of who I am, my light, my shadow, um, my shortcomings, my strengths. We, we bring it all onto the table and we show up as who we are. What is one tip out of the work that you do that you can share with the audience that's going to help them get to the place of self-ownership? Don't deny reoccurring emotions or intuitive jabs and nudges that come up. Mm. Because we all know our... We all know... Well, we have, we need the tools to be able to discover ourselves, but we have all the answers within. We really, really do. And sometimes they come out and we just ignore them or we don't listen to them or we don't know how to listen to them, Yeah, which is fine because we don't, we're not necessarily taught those skills, yeah. uh, which is a lot of the skills that I, that I teach and share. And so you know, we have these inner pokings that kind of come through and nudge us. Listen to them, maybe write them down, unpack them a little bit. Yeah. But don't deny them. Yeah, I like that. And that's the practice of allowance. Um, and sometimes there's nothing to do. We don't have to do anything with them. We often think the mind plays out this, this, this tale of, oh, I, I need to micromanage my way through this process. But sometimes all that mm-hmm. needs to happen is the old stuff needs to come up and, and be gone. It's yeah. trapped. It's trapped under your your internal rug, and it's trying to release. And mm-hmm. we get in our own way. So just just let it yeah. go. Let it be on its way. Wave and say sayonara. Yeah, you know, actually, kind of a, a funny story that I'll share. I mean, it wasn't. It was not funny at the time. Let me tell you that. But now it now it's funny. So I had always thought that I needed to go back to school after my undergrad to do my MBA because that's what my parents told me I needed to do. So after I did my first 10 day, um, the Pasana meditation retreat, that was December, 2018. And I came out in January of 2019. So I was actually there over new Year's. Mm. So I came out and I had been thinking about doing my MBA for five years, which meant I, like I didn't actually do anything about it. I didn't research or do anything. I just thought about it. Yeah. And I came out of this Vipassana and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm just going to try, I'm going to try to do my MBA because I feel like that's what I need to do because that's all I, that's what I know. Um, and what, what I thought I, what I thought I knew was the truth. So I had made the decision that coming out of that, that 2019 was going to be my year of decisions. I was just going to decide things and try it versus sit and kind of dwell on it for years. So I studied for my GMAT, which is the standardized test that you have to take. I had not touched multiple, what is it called? Long multiplication since high school or something. So I'm learning all of this stuff all over again. I had like six weeks to write the GMAT and to submit my application. Um, and I'd applied to the University of Singapore. So I wrote my GMAT. I did real bad, like way below average. But... I submitted anyways. I was like, I need to go to do my MBA because I need to figure out what my direction is in life. Like, what am I supposed to be doing in life? And if I do my MBA, I'll find the answers. This is what I need to do. So then, you know, University of Singapore got back to me and they said, hey, we really like your application, but your GMAT's a little, little iffy. Are you going to, are you open to rewriting it? And I said, yeah, absolutely. If there's an opportunity, I will rewrite it. So I took another three weeks. I took a prep course and I rewrote the GMAT. Matt, I did worse the second time. Like, how is that even possible? (laughs) So I came out 
because you get your score instantly. So I came out. I was sitting in my car. My my hands were over my face, and I was just bawling. I was like, oh. my my year is over. Like this is over. If I don't get into school for September, I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to figure out what to do with my life. And I was just devastated. Um, and it's wild because that was April of 2019. Uh, no, sorry, 2018. 18, 2018, yeah. yeah. My Vipassana was, yeah, year before. Um, so 2018. October of 2018, I had been playing around with the idea of starting my own business. Didn't know what that had looked like. I'd worked with a life coach over the summer. I found the Search Inside Yourself course. It was exactly what I was into because I wanted to find a way to bring Vipassana style like tools out to people. So December of 2018, I took the two-day course. January, I applied to become a teacher. February got in. March, I started the training. Mm. And March 2020, I just completed it. So it's crazy that when we are sometimes so hard and fast on a specific route, we can miss all the other elements unless we take a step back. Because after I didn't get in, after my second GMAT bomb, I went back to a spreadsheet that I have and looked at all the different reasons for why I wanted to do my MBA. And when I really dug deep into it, I could tell all the decisions that were ego-based decisions or that were valid decisions. Mm. And when I got into search inside yourself and I went back to my spreadsheet and I mapped it against the MBA, all of those things that were the non-ego reasons for doing it are all hit with the search inside yourself course and all the ego ones are just like out the window. So it was just wild to see that alignment come through and so when we accept you know like I I had thought that doing my MBA is what like what I was told to do so I just had accepted that and when I was able to carve a bit of my own path and listen to my own truth that like I didn't want to do my MBA no ounce of me wanted to do it yeah the universe always has a plan for us and I always ask people whose life are you living are you living your life based off of your desires or are you living life for other people, your, whether it be your parents, mm. your partner, other people? Do you have a, a, an imaginary audience inside your head that you're performing in front of all the time, right? Like just be you. Yeah. And it's amazing. I love your story because it, 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 it embodies the true definition of alignment because when we're, the universe is always giving us what we need, not what we want. The ego is what we want. The heart is, is what we need. Okay. And the universe knows that we're aligned to our heart and it gives us what we need. And we, we, we create suffering for ourselves because you were in the car with your hands on your face and you were crying and you were just upset because your ego wasn't getting what it, what it wanted. But it was shattered. It was, <laughs> it was shattered. shattered everywhere. <laughs> exactly. But when you can pick up those pieces and move forward and get your yeah. get out of your own way with with too much mind identification, you become aligned mm-hmm. to your purpose, and that's really what authenticity is about. I'm I'm so super glad you shared that yeah. story because it's uh, it really does embody the true definition of what alignment is and how you uh, mm-hmm. how you embody that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And like I said, now I can look back and and kind of laugh on it, but. At the time, it was not. It was not funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I hope that it can also just be a lesson for others, and that you know, it's like listen to your own jabs. And that sounds like I said I I had thought about doing my MBA, but there's also a reason I just thought about it and didn't actually act on it. You know, and and it seems like at that time I needed to act on it because I just needed to know the the answer to my what if. Yeah. What if I got into my MBA? What if I had taken, you know, gone down that path? I would have. I think I would have been really miserable if I if yeah. I had um, gone it gone into to do it because it's it was it was not the right path for me. But I needed that experience, like you said. I needed to go through that twice for me to, you know, realize. Okay, let's just take another step back and and reevaluate because sometimes we're so in the trees and we cannot see where we're going we get stuck on the on the how something's going to happen versus you know what it is we're trying to achieve in 
our life or our day or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. The why. We got to stay open to that. Yeah. 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 The why. And, and exactly. We have to stay true to that. And the how will, will literally fall into our, our laps. Mm-hmm. Can. I can't guarantee it. Yeah. But, um, but when I found this, this course and I had, you know, I had kind of birth chain reaction in my mind um, before then and, and in my heart. And, and then I found this course and I, I just knew, honestly, from looking at the website before I even um, took the two day course, I just knew. It's crazy. Mm. It was crazy and cool. Crazy cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also really cool too that you you know you say that things will come to you when when you know they're meant to and all that sort of stuff and it'll all align. When you are aligned, you're not looking at it through the lens of I need my how to play out. You're aligned to your why. Mm-hmm. So what comes, mm-hmm. you naturally know it's coming because you're you're already aligned. So the key for people right. is to not focus on the how, focus on just aligning yourself to what makes yeah. you feel good. Your feelings mm-hmm. and what makes you feel good are always your 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 guides. And then right. you'll just, everything else just falls into place. Yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. It really, really does. And, and also once we connect our wise, then just keeping our eyes open and our hearts open for whatever it is that might come. Cause if we have our why, but are still, you know, maybe closed off to certain two opportunities, then it might, you know, your how might show up in a different version of how, what you thought it might be. Yeah. Um, so just kind of staying true to that and I think it's even kind of how we met right when looking for a new personal trainer and and um and Robin introduced us and it was just a really cool yeah way of of meeting and the connection and then obviously a friendship that's grown from there yeah yeah it is beautiful uh, we're so we're so similar even when you're talking like I'm tracking you and I'm thinking of like where I'm going to take the conversation next and you take it exactly where I wanted to take it. It's there's so much flow. <laughs> there's so much flow between the way we, we talk because we're like, I think we're kismet. Yeah. We're total like energy, um, mm-hmm. soul energetic connection for sure. It's really neat. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, so for other people who want to build a, maybe a soul energetic connection with you, how are people uh, like what's going on in your business um, that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So, Right now, I am uh, I'm not taking any more individual or group coaching clients at the moment. So uh, that's something I'm building a wait list for. Okay. Um, well, putting not building a wait list, but putting people on a wait list at the moment because I'm um, kind of pivoting and, and focusing on bringing out corporate, uh, corporate workshops at the moment. Okay. So, you know, the, I mean, businesses are obviously really suffering right now. I mean, as, as the whole global community is. Um, but I've kind of refocused my energies to corporate workshops uh, and also a lot of activity that I share through my newsletters, tips and tools and tricks, um, and through my Instagram too. So those are great ways to connect with me. Um, And yeah, if anyone's interested to know more about what individual or group coaching would, uh, would be looking like, then happy to chat about that too. But I'm feeling really kind of aligned <laughs> to be working with teams and groups right now in the workplace to kind of rebuild that that energy in the workplace so that we can continue to push forward and, and build resilience right now so that we can um, rebuild as well. And a lot of the work that happens in workplaces too is, you know, as I mentioned, on the inter, interpersonal level as well. Cause it all starts within ourselves yeah. um, and then kind of works outwards. So those are, those are the main ways, but definitely sign up for the newsletter. I don't send them out often. So that's a good thing because <laughs> we're always inundated with too many emails, yes, but uh, maybe every like six weeks or eight weeks or something. And they're usually short and sweet and um, yeah, some tips, tools, practices in there, relevant pieces. Um, yeah, I'd say those are, that's the main thing. Awesome. And you can check that all out on chainreaction.life uh, if you're mm-hmm. looking for to get on the waitlist for coaching or if you have a, a business, small, medium, mm-hmm. large, doesn't matter, 
if somebody wants. No, I mean, um, yeah, I, so I, I have uh, kind of like shorter lunch and learn workshops for, um, you know, smaller businesses is what I found has worked well. For yeah. larger companies, the Search Inside Yourself program works really well because it's a full two-day program. Um, it's a bit more of a, a deeper dive and is really collaborative with, with a lot of um, the larger audiences. So those are um, a bit, bit more aligned with larger groups. Also, because of small business, it's hard to take two days out of, can be harder to take two days out of uh, work if the whole company's yeah. out of commission. Yeah. But those are the main ways, yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I want to uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to come and share with myself and my audience just on uh, all your beautiful sharing vulnerable sharing, wisdom sharing. Um, it's all appreciated. And I'm very grateful that you're showing up in the most truest form of who you are. Uh, I feel thank it. You. I love it. And um, <laughs> yeah, again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah. You bet. I appreciate this. Yeah. yeah. And thank you. Thank you for doing you too and living your truth and, you know, providing a platform for, for me and all your other, um, guest as well to to share through through you as well because when when you're able to live your truth you inspire the rest of us too so don't Mm. forget that thank you thank you very much and obviously i want to thank the audience thanks for tuning in for another episode we're already in double digits episode 10 uh today (laughs) so yeah it's exciting times um Feel free to leave comments, reviews. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe on the platform to which you um, listen to these podcasts. Also, all podcasts are uploaded on my YouTube channel. If you prefer to watch and see the guests themselves, uh, feel free to connect there as well. Sending you all tons of love. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye, guys.